welcome back to another episode of Artist Avenue. Today I am talking to the beautiful Charlie J. Jones. Charlie is a soprano, actress and singing teacher who graduated from the Royal Academy of Music in London. She made her professional stage debut as a soprano and soloist in the Thursford Christmas Spectacular and has since worked as a crossover artist on stage and in the recording studio. Her performance work has encompassed musical theatre, concerts, opera and recordings. Some notable theatrical performances include Jason Robert Brown's Parade, Rodgers and Hammerstein's State Fair and her one-woman show The Soprano Behind the Screen, which she co-devised with musical director Connor Fogel. This opened in 2020 and will be returning to London Fringe Theatre later this year. Charlie is also the founder of Scenario Studios. She's a vocal health first aider and has also trained in mindfulness, which she fuses in her work as a singing teacher. Before we dive into Charlie's beautifully unique journey, I would like to remind you that due to the current circumstances, we had to record this episode remotely via Zoom. Therefore, the quality might suffer at points. Nevertheless, please keep listening. I always say that for a 2021 podcast, it's content over technical quality. So without further ado, enjoy this beautiful episode. Hi, Charlie. Hey, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Let's start with a little introduction. Tell us a bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's so lovely to come on and chat to you today. Um, so about me, my name is Charlie Jade Jones. I am a soprano, actress, a singing teacher and a business founder as well. And I trained at the Royal Academy of Music and Musical Theatre. And previously to that, I studied in classical voice as well. So a bit of a mixture. That's wonderful. That, that's a lot of mm-hmm. things going on. I love that. You're like a <laughs> woman. <laughs> yeah, I just put them all out there. Um, so would you like to take us back to your once upon a time the beginning of your journey sure so I think I started in anything particularly musical because my mum started having piano lessons and I must have been about I want to say five or six um we got this like old secondhand piano and it was just in our living room and my mum had lessons with a lady in our village and being just interested and small child and this was a a new thing in the house I decided I wanted to play too so I just found my mum's books and I just started like kind of not teaching myself but picking bits up from the books um so I started doing that and then my mum maybe thought I should have piano lessons so I started with a a lady in another village um, and she was also a singing teacher. And I, I just loved to sing around the house. I guess that that was kind of the beginning, really. And watching all the old Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals with my grandma. I used to go around the house with this broom, <laughs> be in the living room, with a broom, singing Tomorrow from Annie on oh. repeat to my family. Like, honestly, anyone that would listen would get a rendition of, it would either be Tomorrow from Annie or Castle on a Cloud from Les Mis. Oh, but I'd, you know, I'd go all out. I'd get the broom. I'd be sweeping along while I sang and everything just to anyone that would listen. So I think probably somewhere in amongst all that from kind of a young, young childhood age, sort of six, seven, eight, nine, somewhere around there. That's sort of where it started. I love that story. That's, that's the simplicity though, isn't it? When we were children, we just took an object and we're like, this is our stage, you know? Like, how fantastic yeah. is that? 
Yeah, our lounge had, it was like two levels because it was an old house. So the t- I used the top level as my stage because <laughs> there was a step and I'd get everyone to sit on the, the one step down. But my, you know, the one step up was my stage area with my broom. Love that. That's brilliant. I love that story. <laughs> so simple. But yeah, I think that was probably where it started my once upon a time. Yeah. So you were very involved with like singing and piano playing from a young age then. So how did your journey evolve then going to auditions for colleges and everything? It was quite a funny one, really. I I kind of stopped playing piano not that long after I started it. I just didn't really like I liked flitting around repertoire, let's put it that way. I didn't really like sticking to one thing. So, yeah, I started singing and got really hooked on that, loved it, went trained quite classically I did all my classical grades when I moved to France when I was 13 so the scene in France is quite different to the UK so my singing teacher kind of the only option of singing teacher really was whoever was at school I was very lucky that it was she was um she was a great classical teacher and the music department were great but outside of school there wasn't really that much there was a company that I worked with that they were an international theatre company so I w- was um, a child in their production of The Boyfriend and they did Adrian Mole which was a school play so I was a-, a kid in that but other than that there wasn't really that much of the scene there particularly god like a long time ago when I was living there so I was very very focused on singing so all I knew was that I I wanted to sing I didn't really know in what capacity as such I knew I loved musical theatre but I also loved classical singing I loved kind of pop folk stuff as well singer-songwriter stuff so I auditioned for something called the Hampshire Specialist Music Course when I was 15 16 and it's um you do it as part of your A-levels it's at a sixth form place in Winchester and they take 10 young musicians they've got to a specific standard in their first instrument and play a second and you train there so I got onto that course and I trained as a first study singer and also played the flute but I swapped the flute for piano in sixth form because it was a bit more useful (laughs) so yeah it was kind of that's where it began really and I went through sixth form still kind of combining classical and musical theatre and got to a point and sort of went I know I again I know I want to sing but I don't know exactly in what capacity. So I didn't actually audition for any drama schools, I don't think, for an undergrad. Um, I was planning on going to university and doing a music degree. So I ended up going to university and I did a combination of classical voice. I did one year of a classical voice degree and then switched and did music theatre. And so my degree is a bit of an interesting combination degree. But then basically, I decided while I was there that no, I wanted to do musical theatre. I'd always loved the Royal Academy of Music and I didn't know whether I wanted to do musical theatre or opera. I decided that it was musical theatre that was my calling because of all the kind of legit musical theatre and the, the older musicals and even some of the more contemporary stuff now. I loved that actually my classical training would probably work with that. Um, and I was excited to learn new styles as well. So I auditioned for the Masters, well it's now a Masters, it was a postgrad when I did it, but um, postgrad course there. And yeah, went on to there. So it was one of those things. I think, you know, you you can't plan, really. I certainly, looking back now, sometimes people say, oh, would you have done things differently? And it's like, yeah, in some ways, maybe it would have been beneficial to audition for conservatorial drama school when I was 18. But also, would I be where I am today if I did that? Mm. Who knows? So I'm happy with the way it turned out, albeit it was a bit of a strange one to get there. But yeah, it was an interesting one. There's no right or wrong way to like 
go about it all, you know? So like, exactly, it came into your life at the right point and you enjoyed it and you got made the best out of it, you know? Yeah, exactly. I, that's the thing. I think there is no one route fits all. There's no straight line to get anywhere. And yeah, I, I don't think I would change anything. You know, we, we all experience things through life and they make us who we are today. So if I hadn't have had those other experiences, maybe I yeah wouldn't have gone the route I went. Yeah. And obviously, after graduating, I wanted to ask you, did you feel prepared coming out into the real world? I think yes and no. I think I was very, very fortunate that I got my first job offer while I was still training. Hmm. Um, so I think that was, I was very fortunate in that aspect, although it, it certainly wasn't my first audition. I'd done auditions and I'd gone through that thing of, re- I'd done some really strange auditions um, and ones that maybe I probably wasn't quite right for. So I'd done that kind of unsettled, oh my goodness, am I doing the right thing? And it was actually a repertoire coach that I had that suggested I went for the audition for the job that I got. And I went and in the audition, I sang um, an Italian aria and Mr. Snow from Carousel. So I went right back to my roots, combining <laughs> the classical style and the musical theater mm-hmm. um, and was offered the job. And I think it's sort of set in stone in a very strange, quite quick way that that was just the way things were gonna go. And that this narrative that I'd heard since being a child of, you have to pick one or the other. You, you know, my classical teacher saying, you can't sing musical theater. And then musical theatre teachers when I was a teenager telling me, oh, well, you sound too classical. I kind of realised, actually, maybe I can just do both and just actually sing the music that I love. So um, this is a long way from the point that you actually asked me to make. But um, <laughs> no, but yeah, fine. So, um, I, it, yes and no, in that I felt prepared going into an industry to sing. I don't think anyone knows and anyone is truly prepared until they're in it though. Mm. I think while you're still in your bubble of training, I think no amount of people coming in or audition experiences, I don't think anything can prepare you for like a year after graduating. Yeah, no, I agree with you. So <laughs> I always just find it interesting to see what different view- viewpoints are, so. How did your career as a performer and creative then evolve? It went in kind of um, an interesting way. I I did auditions that I'd always dreamed of doing, was marginally successful, also unsuccessful. I'd done jobs that I never imagined I'd do, but learned so much from doing them and the experiences that I gained were incredible. And I think through that, I remember going home to my mum and saying, do you know what, I'm not sure what I'm doing. I just don't know what I'm doing. I think this is probably two or three years after graduating. Where I'd worked, I'd done some jobs, but I also kind of hadn't done what I thought was expected of me. I hadn't done that big thing that you go to drama school or conservatoire to do. I hadn't done that, but I also didn't feel that that was everything. But I felt a little bit like, oh, have I failed? Uh, you know, mm. should I be doing more than this? So I remember having a chat with my mum and I'm saying, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I, I want to sing and I really enjoy teaching. That's what I like. And I taught from graduate, from before I graduated, actually, I taught from like young students and um, classical singing from about 19. 
and that's they're the two things that I loved so I kind of thought okay well this is what I love why put all this pressure on me to have to achieve this and have to achieve that and that has to be the goal why can't the goal just be to do what I love and hopefully make a living out of that that to me became the success or whatever success is that's what it became to me so I think through that kind of decision the work that I've done is God, I just, I take opportunities. And I think if I was to give anyone, and when I do give any of my students any advice, it's just to take opportunities. I will almost, anything that I think I'm, I'm right for or any opportunities that come along, I will do what I can to, to do them. Because I think you learn from every experience that you have, whether it's mm. a good one or a bad one. So yeah, I think that's kind of what shaped my career path and the work that I've done and where I've gone with that. That's beautiful. And it's really interesting that you said the word like, I haven't done what was expected from me. Like, yeah. it's again, you sit and question yourself. You're like, well, what is expected? You know, like, who says that this is the right way to go in a way? Yeah, exactly. I think it's, it's that idea, isn't it? And it's what you think you're training for. And actually, you're training to develop your skills in this area and actually the work that you do doesn't determine that much to be honest or it, it does but it you know you train for the skills you don't necessarily train for a particular job as such you train to have the skill set to be able to do a wide variety of jobs and I think that's kind of what I'd forgotten about mm. and I think I'd put this pressure on and I, I realized that actually the only person that put this pressure on me was myself and it was yeah. only me that was saying you should be doing this and you should be doing this job and that was all me so when I kind of stopped doing that I was so much happier and I went oh I can just do my own thing okay <laughs> yeah but like I think I think also like it's valid that we get that in our heads because yeah. you know we 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 see musicals we fall in love with them like through the screen through on stage like whichever way we get in contact with them and then that's the reason we started that's the first like you know where we got in contact and saw them so then naturally when you go in like you think of the big big dream it's not to say that we won't be able to like get there there is a thing of like not thinking that you're a failure if you don't get there immediately or even if you come out and you're like actually I don't want to do that anymore I want to be in this yeah. industry but do it in a different way like yeah and I just think it's it's learning that that's okay you know whatever whatever choice you want to make as long as it makes you happy and you know you're able to be healthy I think that's that's what matters really and people have different ideas with that and that's a really wonderful thing and that's something that should be celebrated um if someone wants to do something different or if someone doesn't and they really want to aim for whatever job they're aiming for that's great both of them um yeah. so I think it's being really accepting of everyone's choices and what everyone wants to do and celebrating everyone's goals and victories and achievements however big or small they may seem to the outside world absolutely it's that acceptance and the open-mindedness isn't it mm, for sure let's get on to scenario studios your little baby okay. <laughs> yes <laughs> do you want to tell us a bit about it what it is what your ethos is sure so um if i go back a little way it came about so I set up Scenario Limited and it was a theatre and arts education project that was trying to do things differently so I wrote my own show and I wrote a show for two other people as well and we can get back to that later but it sort of came through that because I wanted to create something Scenario's caption is celebrating singing and the art of musical storytelling 
So I wanted to then create an arts and more education and training project that went alongside that, that really was ingrained. So it's not specifically musical theatre, it's not specifically classical, it's not pop, it's not, it doesn't have a genre. It is for singers who want to develop their singing in a holistic way. So that means using, you know, the mind, the body, your nutrition, your physicality, everything, you know, adding in the acting through song and that connection to text and bringing it all together as a whole performer, not necessarily having to specialise in one thing. I think from my own experience, that's why I wanted to do it because I'd always been told you can't do one, you have to do this one. And if you do this one, you can't do this one. And I thought, you know what? That's not true. I've done both. I think if you love different styles of music, you can sing them. Mm -hmm. And I think it's healthy. Of course, you will always be better than one at one and the other. You know, I will always be a stronger legit soprano than I will belter. It's a given. It's just the way my voice sits. But that doesn't mean that I can't explore that other side and enjoy it. And that's what I wanted to create, just a whole singing hub where you didn't have to be one thing or the other. You could just come as a singer, as a vocalist, develop, train using different tools to bring everything together into the performance. Mm, That's so beautiful and that's so needed as well. Um, In your opinion, what are the benefits of having like a holistic approach, approach to voice studies? Um, I think it is hugely beneficial for multiple multiple reasons. Um, I think the main one is that I think we underestimate how much our mind can have an impact on our voice and what our voice can do. And I will always remember an old singing teacher saying to me uh, when I was trying to learn to belt, this is before I went to the academy, and I, oh my goodness, was struggling because on that, In my training, I was always told that I was the soprano. I was this. This is what I did. And that was in my head. So from that, the other thing that was in my head was that I couldn't belt and I couldn't do this contemporary sound and I couldn't do this. So actually, when it got to the point of trying to do it, I'd already got it in my head that I couldn't. So if in your head you're telling yourself you can't do it, you won't do it. Mm -hmm. So it's not all all the time and it's not for every case but certainly for myself once I broke down that barrier and actually thought you know what I can do it I just need to learn how to do it you know then I could do it again it's not my strongest suit but we all have our strengths we all have things that we're better at but I think it's it's realizing that we can do a lot of things if only our mind doesn't tell us we can't and I think of course that goes for so many things in life but I think it's really often underestimated in singing. So that's why I wanted to set up this holistic approach. Um, I trained in mindfulness as well, because I like to fuse mindfulness in singing. So yeah, that's kind of the the big thing about it. And then obviously the, the physicality and using, you know, the body being released and the breath being able to be released and the breath coordination, that also kind of goes alongside fusing the mind and body approach to the voice. Mm. That's beautiful because like, if you do work to connect everything together, like as an all round picture, you're probably going to be stronger in everything, like going doing your audition, you'll be like more calm because you know how everything works together and like links together. So that's really, that's such an interesting approach. And I love it personally. (laughs) Oh, good. Yeah, I, I love it. And yeah, it kind of was born out of my own experiences and experiences that I've had whilst teaching as well. Hmm. 
and you're a vocal health first aider as well, aren't you? Yes, I am. Can you explain to me what that is? Because I know what a mental health first aider is because I'm one myself, but like, I was always wondering what the differences are. And obviously there are differences, but like. <laughs> yeah, um, so a vocal health first aider, we're not here to do any kind of vocal rehabilitation or anything. It's nothing like that. That's not what the qualification is. Um, it's simply someone that is aware of the voice it, it may be quite similar. I'd be interested to hear how it might cross over into the mental health first aider. But yeah, someone that's aware of the voice that might pick on certain things that can do very small assessments to hear how someone's sounding or perhaps you might have a, an understanding of what may have impacted something. Um, and you can hear them and perhaps refer them on to someone if they need further help. Or you have certain tools and an understanding to help them after they've been to see a rehabilitation coach and a practitioner. So yeah, yeah it's, um, it's sort of the first port of call if someone's maybe got, got a vocal issue or a minor problem or, do you know what, sometimes it's just people are tired, vocally tired is often one, things like that. So yeah, it's, it's definitely not um, a rehabilitation practitioner or specialist. It's, that's definitely an area that I want to pursue into. But yeah, right now it's it's a really useful qualification to have. And I think it makes people really aware of voices. And that's, I'm all for that. If we can get more people aware of voice, great. That's a brilliant thing. Yeah, brilliant. And then yeah. let's get on to you being a teacher because that's also a role in your performing career. So yeah. being a teacher and teaching at colleges and privately, I wanted to ask you what the role brings to you. Yeah, um, do you know what? I absolutely love it. I wouldn't, I really wouldn't be without it. So I work with students, generally speaking, from the age of 16, and my older students are about 23, 22, 23. So I work with students that might be right at the beginning of their training. Some of my students are just, they're going to be auditioning soon. And then I teach students at colleges who are on diplomas or they're on musical theatre degree courses um, and then I teach a couple of students that are graduates as well so kind of that spectrum that area I love it because it's you get to see people's journey and you get to see them grow and you get to help them and see them achieve stuff and that's been a really really amazing thing and so positive as well and I honestly think I'm sure it goes for for every drama school but I think drama school students right now are incredible um, dealing with what they're dealing with, with everything mm. going on. And, you know, they turn up on Zoom. I've been teaching on Zoom pretty much since March. I was in person for a little bit at one college um, last term, September to December, but it's been a lot of online teaching. You know, there's students that I've never met in person, but it's amazing the bond that you can get via Zoom. It really is. Like, you Isn't know, if it? you asked me last <laughs> March, if it was possible, I'd have gone, mm, not really. But now, you know, it, it's great. I, I cannot wait to get back in the room and meet some of my students for the first time. I can't wait for that moment. Um, but for now, they're so positive. Um, and I think just being able to help people on their journey and re remembering that actually, sometimes I pinch myself and I'm like, oh, mine wasn't that long ago. This is amazing that I'm able to, to do this and work with these young people and hopefully help them get to where they want to be. Um, yeah. in quite, I, I like to think quite a supportive way as well, because I know how hard it is. I'm sure you're really supportive and lovely with them. <laughs> I try. <laughs> um, 
just because you touched upon it like how was mm. it transitioning to zoom because I know it as a like student but like from a perspective of, of a teacher I've never actually asked you how how it is teaching over zoom <laughs> yeah I mean do you know what I think singing lessons are probably one of the easiest things to transfer to zoom oh really online yeah I think so one-to-one singing um obviously group singing definitely not but uh, one-to-one singing I think is one of the the better things that translates at first it was a bit tricky just kind of adjusting mm-hmm. I think of course it's not the same as in person it can't be there's just things that you you know you really want to see or sometimes it's just annoying things like the internet glitches and it just cuts out or the sound cuts out in the middle of an exercise and you're like that looked good I didn't hear all of it it's just things like that that are a bit frustrating but on the whole it's really positive so Um, generally you can hear them clearly as well yeah you can hear them clearly most of the time you can see them clearly to be honest if there are any problems I like to try and make up any lessons where there's internet issues anyway Mm. Um, because they they can't be helped you know everyone's on zoom right now internet's bound to glitch at some point yeah but I think on the whole they're pretty good you can you can hear everything you can see everything it's obviously not the same as being in the room and when I did have that term in the room at one college it was really exciting (laughs) and I can't wait to have it back it will be back soon (laughs) I hope so do you think you'll continue with zoom as well occasionally after the pandemic I think so I've actually got a couple of students that are further afield yeah, much further afield. So I will definitely continue for, for those students. Yeah, probably more for my private students. Yeah, I will continue. I, I think it works pretty well. Wonderful. There you go. Yeah. New options, new adventures. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I'd love to discuss a bit about what you'd like to see more or less of in our industry. Yeah, I think that's quite a tricky one in some ways. But I think when I touched on it earlier, mm. I think more celebration of different things is one thing that would be really cool to see. And people risk-taking, as in just, you know, we we train to be creatives. We train to do different things. So I think, oh, I think we've seen a lot of it actually through the pandemic, and maybe that's been a slight blessing in disguise, that we have seen people be really creative. And that's been wonderful. Um, looking at all the things we, we can do, that's mm-hmm. great. So I think... If that can continue once things reopen, that would be really wonderful. I think one thing I'd love to see more of, and I, I know a few people who have expressed this um, in other ways as well, but less of the, the goal focus on one thing. We briefly touched on it earlier. Yeah. But I think less of that, you have to achieve, achieve this or you failed or it hasn't gone your way or this, that and the other. I think being more accepting of, do you know what, if you're doing your own thing in this industry that's a really great thing and we can celebrate that but you can also celebrate the person that's about to make their West End debut because that's really cool too. I think it's putting everything and going no one thing is better than the other. Mm -hmm. I think you know we've all everybody that has trained to be in this industry has worked so hard to a get their place at a drama school or conservatoire. B most people have auditioned on so many occasions so I think Rather than making one or two things the pinnacle and everything else, yeah, let's just celebrate everything. And I think a bit more of that would be really wonderful for so many people. So Absolutely. yeah, they're my two things. A bit more like risk-taking and variety from people playing because that's what we train to do. Um, and just, I think, more celebration of, of everybody's work, mm. no matter 
how many audiences the theatre seats. I love that word risk taking. <laughs> One of my favourite words. Um, yeah. <laughs> But you are so right as well. And like, you know, just having like a kind of understanding that we all are good enough and equal enough to do things that we want. It's just like, yeah. it is the luck thing, isn't it? It's like the right place at the right time, essentially. Yeah, I think sometimes it is that, for sure. I think we can all just appreciate what everyone does. And I think saying that one job is better than another, I think, do you know what? If you get a job in this industry, that is a cause to celebrate no matter yes. what that job is, <laughs> is my philosophy. So yeah, I just think more kind of celebrating everyone and what they're doing. And also, you know, I've got friends that have written plays. I've written uh, my own show. I've got friends that have done all sorts of things that have set up different companies. All of those things are great and mm. should be celebrated at the same level, I think. Yeah. Because it, it's what we train to do. I think if you're doing what you train to do or you're happy doing something else, wonderful I was going to get back to that actually how was it writing your own show because I had no idea you wrote your own show <laughs> oh yeah I did I worked on it for quite a long time and it it, <laughs> it opened in January 2020 and obviously very quickly closed oh um, but it came back no it came back for some performances in September and October last year and it's reopening in May in London I mm -hmm. cannot say where because it's not been announced but yeah so it's my show that I wrote and is music the musical director is my wonderful friend Connor Fogel and it's directed by my friend Becky Harrison and it's about the life of Marnie Nixon so again I fused opera musical theatre and classical singing <laughs> I can't basically I just discovered Marnie Nixon someone that inspired me for a long time I heard her in all my you know the old musicals I used to watch with my grandma mm -hmm. and I realized that I could put together my dream set list by telling the story of this amazing soprano. And I got to learn different music as well. I've never sung um, like Stravinsky or Copeland or anything. So I got to learn that sort of repertoire, which was really wonderful. But then I also got to sing loads of The King and I and West Side Story and that sort of thing as well. So it was, it was great fun. Yeah. How incredible. I think that's really, really amazing that you just went and like wrote your own show just casually. <laughs> Yeah, well, it took quite a while. I can't say. Yeah, it wasn't easy. It took a while. But yeah, it's currently having a little rebrand at the moment, which is quite mm. exciting. But yeah, it's a little, it started off as a little passion project. And then the audience really liked it. And then it came to, did a couple of shows in London and the audiences there really liked it. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. There's no pressure on it. It's just something that I really enjoy doing. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. See, this is a little reminder that passion projects can go a long way. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. You, know, you take risks, do your passion projects and just, yeah, persevere. Yes. That's your slogan for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So we're coming towards the end of the interview and there's always a few questions that I ask each guest. So the first one is, in your opinion, what unites us as creatives? I think there is a level of determination that I think maybe you, you probably see it in athletes as well. But I think there's a level of determination and resilience in creatives. Lovely. And what's the biggest thing that you have learned on your journey so far? Be yourself. Oh, yes. Be yourself. Because do you know what? I spent so long trying to do things that probably weren't really me or trying to 
that sort of thing. And then I just thought, you know what, this is what I'm good at. This is what I enjoy. Why not just find a way to do that? And I think just stay true to yourself. Celebrate what your friends are doing. Look at what your friends are doing. Be inspired by what your friends are doing. But that's what they're doing. And that's them. And they're not you. So I think my biggest piece of advice for any anyone kind of graduating recently or maybe graduating this year, work out who you are. It takes time. Work out where you fit as, you know, true to yourself in this industry. Work out where you fit. And when you do that, stay true to it. Hmm. And it's okay to that it takes time sometimes to figure it out. Definitely. And it will take time. And that's a good thing because you learn in that process. Yeah. Beautiful. And this is my absolute favorite question ever on this interview. (laughs) (laughs) What makes you unique as a creative? Oh my goodness. I know the interviewers probably don't like the question, but. (laughs) Oh no, this is horrible. Um, What makes me unique? I, um, okay. Maybe there's a couple of things that I can fuse together that might make this work. Yeah. I, like I said earlier, I literally, I will take so many different opportunities, you know, singing in strange Scottish castles, doing a Bernstein show by the sea, doing a Bernstein musical in a random part of Wales on the coast. I will do so many things. (laughs) Um, And I think from that, that led me to be this kind of determined to make what I do work. Maybe that's not completely unique to me, but I think maybe fusing those things together and trying to make my vision of what I would like to see in the industry work, maybe that's it. But that's a really hard question. I think that's it. (laughs) I think that's spot on though, because it's exactly what you've done. You've gone out and you've done your own thing and did your own business and your own shows and like you're merging it all together constantly and it's constantly evolving so there you go <laughs> yeah that's the thing and you know what I didn't really plan for any of it as in I did it and I didn't know where things would end up but I just kind of ran with it so I think if you have an idea go with it mm-hmm. and just see what happens and trust the process <laughs> yeah of course wonderful is there anything else any last comments that you'd like to share with the listeners I think um I've covered a couple like number one be yourself mm-hmm. always find your spot and do that um and then just what we said you know if you've got an idea or something that you want to do go with it and don't be afraid to ask people for help there are people that may not want to help you in this industry but there are for like every one of those people there are so many that will want to help you and will want to get involved so don't ever be afraid to ask for help you know I had people message me on Instagram like asking for vocal things and technique things or if they're having a problem that is so okay and I love that I you know people help me I ask people questions and they help me so so many of us had help so now feel free to ask and yeah ask for advice and all sorts absolutely Yeah, what a wonderful way to end. Thank you so much for coming on today and for sharing your journey and being so open and honest. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. It's been lovely, especially to think back. Yeah, all that way as well and kind of think where things actually began and that sort of thing. (laughs) It's where you came from. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you so, so much. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. 
Artist Avenue will be back next Tuesday with another exciting interview. Make sure to follow us on social media and keep up to date with all the artists and their wonderful projects. Your support for this podcast honestly means the world to me. For now, keep smiling, keep listening, and I'll see you all next week.